Welcome to the addendum to the first episode of Well on MMA podcast. So here's what happened. I am using an app called Anchor to record this podcast. I didn't realize that it cuts you off after an hour. So apparently I went on talking for about 20 minutes that didn't record. And listening back to the first episode, unfortunately, it cut off as I was talking about Walt Harris's daughter uh, dying several several weeks ago. So I want to pick up on that somber note and basically redo all the talking that I did to myself for the last 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, since then, we had UFC Raleigh where Derek Blades beat Junior Dos Santos with a very nice overhand right. We'll talk about that. And uh, I also talked about the female divisions. We'll talk about that and uh, go over some of the exciting fights that we've got coming up. UFC 247 in Houston, first week of February, and some of the other fight nights and pay-per-views we have uh, over the next four or five months. So here we go. Uh, I think I'm good on the uh, on the heavyweight division. We talked about basically one through nine. Uh, number ten is Shamil Abdurakimov, who is fighting very interesting fight against uh, the undefeated teammate of Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan, who's number fifteen. That fight is booked for UFC 249 on April 18th in Brooklyn. That's going to be very good. Number 11 in the heavyweight rankings is Blagoj Ivanov, who just lost to Derek Lewis at UFC 244. Number 12 is Alexi Olenek, who had a nice win over Maurice Green at uh, 246. And then 13, Augusto Sakai, and 14, Sergei Pavlovich. Let's go on to the women's strawweight division. Very, very excited for the... Uh, title fight that's happening March 7th in Las Vegas, Nevada at UFC 248. The champion of the strawweights, Zhang Weili, first Chinese champion in UFC history. She is taking on none other than the strawweight queen, Joanna Janjacek, as she looks to get that title back. Joanna is extremely good. The fight she had against Michelle Waterston a few months ago was a very, very uh, good performance. Um, I thought Waterston did great, but Joanna was just too much for her that night. Joanna only has three career losses. Two of them are to Rose Namajunas and the other to Valentina Shevchenko. Both of those are champions. A lot of people thought Rose Namajunas, who's number two in the rankings, she was going to have a long title defense. Um, however, after beating Joanna twice, then trying to defend her belt for the first time against Jessica Andrade, she got head slammed by Andrade uh, in Brazil and uh, knocked her out, even though most people had Rose winning the fight up to that point. You get slammed on your head, sometimes you, you know, stuff happens. Interestingly enough on that, Rose mentioned a few months ago, not only that she had considered retiring after that, but before that fight, she used to get migraines pretty frequently, 
And ever since she got slammed on her head by Jessica Andrade, she has yet to have a migraine. So very uh, interesting. Next time you're dealing with migraines, just ask somebody to pick you up and slam you on your head. That might be the solution. So again, John Wigley, uh, the champion of the strawweights, fighting number four, Joanna Janjacek. Number one and number two in that division are Jessica Andrade and Rosnam Yunus. Very excited for their rematch at UFC 249 on April 18th in Brooklyn. And number three is Tatiana Suarez, who a lot of people are still pegging as a future UFC champion at strawweight. She had a nice win over Nina Ansaroff over the summer. Uh, Nina Ansaroff is number five. She's taking time off. She is uh, the wife of Amanda Nunes. They, I believe, are trying to start a family. So Nina is taking time off from fighting, obviously, because Nunes is the champ champ. Um, but after Ta- Tatiana Suarez beat Nina Ansaroff, she had a neck injury that goes back several years, and so she's still recovering from that. Really looking forward to her return, uh, hopefully sometime in the near future, but she's number three. Claudia Gadella is number six. She was supposed to fight Alexa Grasso at UFC 246. Again, like we discussed, unfortunately, Alexa Grasso missed weight by um, more than three pounds, which was the Nevada State Athletic Commission's limit for missing weight and still having the fight, so that fight got canceled. Grasso, who is ranked number 13 in strawweight, has said that she is moving to flyweight after missing weight at uh, at 246. So looking forward to seeing Claudia Gadella back in action as well. Carla Esparza is number seven. Number eight is Michelle Waterston, like I mentioned, who just lost to Ioana a few months ago. Number nine, very interesting fighter Marina Rodriguez she has 12 wins no losses and two draws in her career those draws were to Cynthia Calvillo who's number 10 and Randa Marcos she beat Tisha Torres who's number 13 I'm sorry no she's fighting Tisha Torres Uh, let me take that back Uh, Cynthia Calvillo number 10 is fighting Tisha Torres who is number 12 on March 28th at UFC Columbus, Ohio. Got that straight. So Marina had those draws to Calvillo and Randa Marcos. Uh, has not lost yet. Uh, Marina Rodriguez, okay, <laughs> I, I was right the first time. Marina Rodriguez did beat Tisha Torres in 2019. Let me, let me tell you the only women to ever beat Tisha Torres. Rose Namajunas, former champion. Jessica Andrade, former champion, Joanna Janjacek, former champion, Zhang Weili, current champion, and Marina Rodriguez. So Tisha Torres only loses to future champions, and Marina Rodriguez beat her. So she's an exciting fighter. It will be very interesting to um, see her fight uh, next and I think that's all I want to talk about with strawweights. Number 14 is Carolina Kovalkiewicz, who fights Yan Jiaonan on February 23rd in the Auckland, New Zealand card. And Amanda Rebus, number 15, who fights uh, the aforementioned Randa Marcos in place of the injured Paige Van Zandt on March 14th in Brazil. Moving up to the flyweights. I think I mentioned this earlier, but the women's flyweight division may be the, 
I don't want to say worst, but um, there's just not a whole lot of of worthy challengers to the title in this division, much like the light heavyweight division where John Jones is so dominant. Valentina Shevchenko, also very dominant champion in the flyweight division. But she has an extremely interesting matchup that I'm really looking forward to, and it's coming up. By the time you hear this, it'll be in about a week's time at UFC 247 uh, in Houston on February 8th. Valentina Shevchenko fights number one contender Caitlin Chukagian. Now, I've said this for the Tony Ferguson-Khabib Nurmagomedov fight. If Tony Ferguson can't beat Khabib Nurmagomedov in this fight, I'm not sure anyone in the lightweight division can. Uh, except Conor McGregor. I, I'm putting myself out on a limb there because I don't think a lot of people think Conor can beat Khabib. But my point there is Khabib is such a dominant champion. I mean, he's never lost. Um, and he already beat Connor. But likewise, Valentina Shevchenko, if if Ch- if Caitlin Chukagian cannot beat Valentina Shevchenko, I don't think anyone in this women's flyweight division can. I do think that Chukagian does have a path to victory in this fight. And obviously, besides the fact that it, it takes two people fighting so anytime people fight either one of them could win I think Chukagian will give Valentina problems Uh, I've watched Valentina fight twice Uh, the first time was the brutal head kick knockout to Jessica I who's the number two contender and the the other time was uh, when uh Valentina Shevchenko beat um, Liz Carmouche, who has since signed with Bellator. Um, and in that fight against Carmouche, it was it was kind of criticized as being a boring fight. Shevchenko was just very tactical. It, it was not ever a, a close fight at any point. You just had the feeling that uh, Shevchenko was just kind of picking Liz Carmouche apart in the technical department. So I have not seen Shevchenko come close to losing. The only losses she's ever had in her career are to Amanda Nunes, which is just incredible. Um, However, I think Chukagian, because she is so awkward, she's taller than Valentina, she's rangier with both her arms and her legs than Valentina, Chukagian is, is just so awkward. Um, she fought uh, Joanne Calderwood at 238. She fought uh, Jennifer Maya at UFC 244. And Chukagian has been criticized as being a boring fighter. That's just kind of what happens when you fight a technical fight and you fight your fight. Uh, Chukagian was never really ever at risk of losing that fight because she's so rangy and awkward. That's why I think she could give Shevchenko problems. Shevchenko obviously has just incredible weapons. Uh, Chukagian is an all-around martial artist. She's got a ton of different tools she uses. Shevchenko is just 
lethal. As Joe Rogan says, she's an assassin. So that fight, I may be more excited for that fight than the other title fight on that card, John Jones versus Dominic Reyes, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So, uh, like I mentioned, number three is Joanne Calderwood, who has been fighting really well, lost to Chukagian at 238, but then came back and beat uh, number eight, Andrea KGB Lee, after that. So I think JoJo might be in title contention next. Uh, she's number three. Uh, Valentina's fighting number one. She already beat number two. Uh, so she very well could be next. Jennifer Maya is number four. Her last two years, she has lost to Liz Carmouche, then she beat Alexis Davis and Roxanne Monteferi, and then lost to Chukagian, so she's right there at the top as well. Uh, Roxanne Monteferi just had that great win over Macy Barber, where uh, Macy tore her ACL partially in the first, uh, about 10 seconds of the fight, and then ended up fully tearing it. She'll be out nine months. Macy is number nine on this list. Roxanne moved up from number seven to number five. Even though she's 37 years old, she's she's getting better. Uh, she could be a legit title contender here sometime soon as well. Number seven is Lauren Murphy. She fights Andrea KGB Lee at UFC 247 in Houston on February 8th. That's going to be a very interesting fight as well. Number 10, Alexis Davis. Number 11, Montana De La Rosa is fighting Mara Romela Borella. On um, February 15th in the New Mexico card, number 12 is Antonina Shevchenko, the sister of the champion Valentina Shevchenko. She's looked really good. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo is actually moving up from strawweight to flyweight to fight Antonina Shevchenko on April 25th in Lincoln. Looking forward to that fight. And that's it for the flyweights. The last division we're going to talk about, the women's bantamweight division, led by champion GOAT, greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunes. I think in that conversation is Nunes and Chris Cyborg. As amazing of a career as Chris Cyborg has had, um, just this past weekend, uh, beating uh, Be Bellator featherweight champion Julia Budd, in uh, for the Bellator women's featherweight title, Bud was a longtime champion, has only lost now three times in her career, and the other two times were to Amanda Nunes and Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. So obviously, Bud only loses to all-time great women, but Chris Cyborg is uh, is one of those all-time great women, and really, I mean, Nunes has just beaten everybody. I mean, literally, she's beaten. Every woman who has ever held the women's bantamweight title in Strike Force or the UFC. Like, think about that. She beat Jermaine Durandamy at UFC 246. She beat Holly Holm in her fight before that. Uh, she's beaten she's beaten everyone. She beat Chris Cyborg at the end of 2018. And, and that is really what, I mean, at, up to that point, you probably said Cyborg was the greatest female fighter of all time. And then Nunes comes out. And knocks her out in 46 seconds. Amanda Nunes has got power for days. She's got power like no other woman. Literally, no other woman on earth. Uh, Jermaine Durandamy, number one in this division. Number two is Holly Holm. 
Holly Holm coming off that win over Raquel Pennington at 246. Uh, Jermaine Durandamy coming off that loss at 245 to Nunes. I think Durandamy and Holm as each other's next fight would be very interesting. Um, obviously, they're the top two contenders in the division. They're both coming off losses to Amanda Nunes. Uh, I believe they fought before, and Jermaine Durandamy beat her a few years ago. That was after Holly Holm uh, beat Ronda Rousey. But I would love to see a rematch on that one because I think Holly has gotten better over the last few years, and I think Durandamy's gotten better over the last few years. I would love to see that. Number three is Aspen Ladd. She's coming off that great win over number eight, Yana Kunitskaya in D.C. on 12-7-19. That was the uh, card where Jairzinho Rosenstroik uh, knocked out uh, Alistair Overeem in literally the closing seconds of a five-round fight. Earlier on that card, Aspen Ladd had a great win over Yana Kunitskaya. It was a close fight going into the third round. Aspen Ladd's coach lit a fire up under her butt between the second and third round, and Aspen Ladd came out swinging. Put her down, ground and pound, and she ends up being number three on this list. Before that, she lost to Jermaine Durandamy in a bit of a controversial fight where Durandamy hit her with one punch about 20 seconds in, dropped Ladd, and Herb Dean stepped in. Uh, arguably a bit early, um, uh, Ladd certainly was not out by any means, but the controversy surrounding it was that Aspen Ladd looked extremely bad and unhealthy, uh, leading up to the fight and the weight cut on the scales. She was shivering. She looked like she was about to pass out. Maybe that was in the back of Herb Dean's mind. Uh, he has also had a solid amount this past year of either early or late stoppages, not a great run for the GOAT, but um, uh, Aspen Ladd is set to fight number four, Juliana Pena. F I believe that is on the UFC Columbus card on March 28th. Really looking forward to that fight. That has potential women's bantamweight title implications. You've got to think that the winner of that fight and potentially the winner of GDR Holly Holm uh, if that fight comes to fruition, the winner of that might have a title shot in their near future. Number five is Irena Aldana, who had a huge, beautiful knockout of Caitlin Vieira, who up to that point was undefeated coming into UFC 245 in December. Irena Aldana knocked her out unconscious. She fell to the floor, woke up. Irena Aldana gets on top of her on the ground, Hits her, knocks her out again. Just an incredible, incredible performance by Irena Aldana over the previously undefeated Caitlin Verrera, who's number seven. That skyrocketed Irena Aldana's career and her ranking all the way up to number five. She, if she puts together one or two more nice performances, she could be in line for a title shot as well. Number six is Raquel Pennington coming off that decision loss to Holly Holm on the uh, McGregor card. Number 10, Sarah, Mc Sarah McMahon uh, just beat number 11, Lena Landsberg at uh, UFC Raleigh last weekend. We'll talk about that fight in a minute. Number 12, Macy Chasson fights number 14, Nico Montano 
on February 15th on the New Mexico card. And number 13 is Beth Correa. And uh, number 15 is Sajara Eubanks, who just had a fight scheduled earlier today. Can't remember against who. Uh, but she is she is an awful human being, as, uh, as Jessica I refer to her as. That is the rankings. I'm going to take a sip of water. And we're going to talk about the UFC Raleigh card this past weekend. Didn't look like a super good card, especially coming off the cards that we've been having these past few months. Turned out to be a sneaky good card. Uh, the very first fight of the night was the performance of the night, and it was Herbert Burns making his UFC debut after his win on Dana White's Contender Series last summer. He is fighting another man making his UFC debut, Nate Landwehr. Uh, he's from Knoxville, Tennessee, went to Russia, became a champion in a, in a Russian promotion, had a huge mouth coming in, was running his mouth, did this weird, like, Triple H WWE move on the walkout where he, like, took a sip of water and then spewed it up in the air. It was super weird. He was being very cocky. Herbert Burns, who's the brother of UFC veteran Gilbert Burns, just comes out, almost instantly gets him on the ground in a chokehold. He's in a chokehold. Uh, Herbert Burns has got Nate Landwehr in a chokehold for, like, two minutes, totally dominating him. Uh, Landwehr gets out of the chokehold. They stand up. Landwehr lands a nice shot. Herbert Burns lands a nice shot and then knees the crap out of this dude's loud mouth, knocks him out on the spot. This dude got owned. Herbert Burns, two and a half minutes in, earns the beautiful knockout victory to start the night. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was one of the best fights on the card, and it was the very first one. The second fight was also very good. It won fight of the night as well. It was Brett Johns uh, defeating Tony Gravely at bantamweight. It was a great fight. It was a great finish by Brett Johns. Got the rear naked choke. Uh, good win for him. The next fight was the aforementioned Sarah McCann over Lena Landsberg. Uh, really, really great, uh, beautiful jujitsu grappling in the first round. This was at bantamweight as well. Almost the whole fight was on the ground, and you could tell that was really Sarah McMahon's, um, you know, that was where she wanted the fight. She was dominant on the ground, ended up winning a unanimous 30-27, 30-26, 30-25 win over Lena Landsberg. Sarah McMahon will very likely move up uh, in the rankings after that fight. The next fight was a really good fight. I thought it would also win fight of the night. It did not. But, man, it was a great fight. Montel Jackson over Felipe Corrales. Uh, this was a featherweight bout? Bantamweight bout. So I, can't, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, Montel Jackson came in with a 6-inch reach advantage. Uh, the last 45 seconds of the first round, it was crazy. Montel Jackson is hitting Felipe Corrales with a barrage of punches. I mean, Felipe Corrales' head is just spinning every which way. Not only does he not go out, I mean, one of those blows would have put me out and would have put a lot of guys out. But he takes like 10 of them 
returns fire several times. It just showed an unbelievable chin, unbelievable cardio. Uh, and the same thing happened in the second round. You had no idea how this guy, Felipe Corrales, was even standing, much less was actually putting up a fight. Montel Jackson tied the bantamweight record with 10 takedowns. He had some beautiful jiu-jitsu in round one. Uh, ends up winning a unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-26, 30-25. So, obviously, the judges thought Montel Jackson won in dominant fashion. I thought it might have been a little bit closer than that. But Felipe Corrales got spanked, but was always in the fight. Showed a lot of guts, a lot of heart, a lot of toughness. That was a great fight as well. The next fight uh, left a, a bit to be desired. It was Justine Kish uh, getting the win over Lucy Pudilova, who I thought on paper should have won this fight. Um, Kish, I believe, is a natural strawweight. She moved upper weight class. Pudilova had the reach advantage in both the arms and the legs. She just wasn't very aggressive. Uh, it was more of a dance than a fight, but Justine Kish uh, did enough to get the unanimous decision victory, 30-27 times 3. The next fight was a doozy. Arnold Allen, I mentioned, or I may have mentioned this when I was talking to myself and the, and the podcast wasn't recording, but I was really looking forward to this fight as well. Uh, number 15 in the lightweight division, Arnold Allen, Arnold Almighty Allen, 15-1 and one in his career. He was supposed to face Josh Emmett in this bout, but Emmett got injured. He has looked good as well. Arnold Allen, just coming off a win over the legend Gilbert Melendez, gets Nick Lentz, uh, and Arnold Allen gets the unanimous decision win. A bit controversial, Nick Lentz is complaining after the fight about some uh, intentional eye pokes. Arnold Allen mentioned that they were unintentional, um, but there was, there was no contesting that Arnold Allen won that fight. He gets the unanimous decision victory. And, uh, man, it just, that was a featherweight bout, excuse me. And, and and Arnold Allen, at number 15, moving up the rankings, featherweight is just so interesting. And that's another guy on that list that uh, just makes that division extremely entertaining to watch and can't wait to see what some of the guys in that division do coming up. The featured prelim was Bevan Lewis versus Daquan Townsend. Bevan Lewis, by the way, from Stone Mountain, Georgia. I think he's only the second fighter that I know of who fights out of uh, the Atlanta area. The other, I believe, is Rafael Asuncio. And uh, Bevan Lewis got the unanimous decision 30-27 win over Daquan Townsend. Bevan Lewis looked like he hurt his knee really early on. Uh, fought through it, couldn't even tell, and then when the fight was over, he could barely put any weight on it. So good win for him. On to the main card of UFC Raleigh. Jamal Hill was dominant over Darko Stosic, who I believe has lost three in a row now after a promising start to his career. Hannah Cyphers, um, she lost to Angela Overkill Hill, who had a great ground-and-pound TKO. The next fight was Jordan Espinoza and Alex Perez. That was a number 11, number 12 flyweight bout. And again, as I've mentioned, the flyweights, say what you will about them. They are putting on some entertaining fights these days. Thank goodness Cejudo won against Dillashaw last year. Seems to really have saved that division, even though now he's uh, been stripped of his title. Alex Perez, beautiful, beautiful knockout 
performance of the night um, in that win. Great win for him. The co-main event, number five in the welterweight division, former champion Rafael Dos Anjos, 29-12. He's still very good. He's fought everyone. Uh, I mean, look at his record sometime. He has fought nothing but names. Goes up against the uh, resurgent, resplendent welterweight Michael Chiesa, who is undefeated since moving up from lightweight to welterweight. I know Eero Hawani has said he doesn't know how Michael Chiesa ever made 155 because he looks so good at welterweight. Uh, Chiesa gets the unanimous decision victory over RDA. RDA has now lost four of his last five fights. Um, and a lot of the chatter I've seen is talking about how Rafael Dos Anjos looks to be pretty predictable these days. And uh, Chiesa now coming off of three straight great wins in a row over Carlos Condit at UFC 232, over Diego Sanchez at UFC 239, and now coming off Rafael Dos Anjos at UFC Raleigh January 20, 2020. Uh, very interesting as well, coming off the mic, Daniel Cormier asks him just, you know, what he what he thought of his performance, and he basically said, I'm going to cut right to the chase. I want to fight Colby Covington next. Colby Covington, uh, who just coming off his, uh, thankfully, coming off his loss to Kamara Usman in December at 246, uh, broke his jaw. He's injured right now, but when he comes back, Michael Chiesa wants, wants a fight with him. And it's pretty simple. It's not because he's got any kind of beef with Colby Covington, probably one of the few people that don't have a beef with Colby Covington, but because Colby Covington is way up there in the ranks, Michael Chiesa is, is moving up in the ranks as well. He said, I'm not going to have a, a pissing contest with him. You know, he can say whatever he wants. I just, I think the fight on paper makes sense, and I want to fight him. So big ups to him on that one. Curtis Blades in the main event gets the second round TKO over Junior Dos Santos. Blades, he's on a roll. He's looking good. Heavyweight division is very interesting. Um, like I think we talked about, Miocic, Stipe Miocic may need another eye surgery to go along with an eye surgery he already had after beating Daniel Cormier back over the summer last year at uh, 241. Cormier has said, I mean, he's 40 years old. If he had beat Stipe, he would have retired right then. But he 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 said he would give Stipe a rematch. He did. Uh, he was beating Stipe, then ended up losing to him. But DC has said that the only fight he's coming back for is to complete the trilogy against Stipe Miocic, which could be any time, except Miocic is injured. We're not sure when he's going to fight. DC is not coming back to fight Francis Ngannou. DC is not coming back to fight Curtis Blades. Um, so what do you do? Do you wait until it's been a year since Stipe Miocic has fought, then strip him? And have an interim title fight? Do you wait until Stipe comes back? DC has said he's not going to wait forever. He's He wants to retire. He just wants to get this fight in beforehand. But he said he has no problem retiring if Stipe is, is going to make him wait too long. You've got Francis Ngannou, who I think is going to be the UFC heavyweight champion of the world very soon, potentially even this year. He is more than deserving of a title shot after three straight early, early knockouts. Uh, he is, he has looked incredible. 
And Francis Ngannou has fought Curtis Blades twice and beaten him twice. Curtis Blades' only two career losses have come to Francis Ngannou, so we don't need to see that fight again. Uh, definitely don't need that fight for a uh, number one contender spot. I think it's... Here's the way I see it in the heavyweight division. A lot of guys are going to have to wait patiently, and I, and I know that's not what they want to do because Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades are in the prime of their careers. Stipe and DC are, are toward the tail end. Um... But the reality of the situation is that DC is a champ champ. Um, he is a face of the UFC still. And Miocic is arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. I mean, he has the most uh, heavyweight title defenses. He's a two-time heavyweight champion. And it's not like he's ducking fights. I mean, he is uh, he has an eye injury. Those are serious. You don't want to mess around with that, particularly with him being so close to, um, to retiring, and and uh, he's got a young young daughter. Um, you got to fix that eye stuff. So I think what needs to happen is, DC needs to wait, fight Stipe, um, get the trilogy in, regardless of who wins that. I think if DC wins that, he retires as the champion, and then you have. A championship fight between potentially Stipe. It's definitely got to be Francis Ngannou, assuming he can get past Jairzinho Rosenstrike in a couple of months, which I think he can, and I think he will. I think it's going to be Francis Ngannou. I think after that fight, you give Curtis Blades a title shot. The difficult thing with that is that's like a year from now for Curtis Blades' next fight. I think he's deserving of a title shot. I just don't think he's as deserving of a title shot as DC and Francis Ngannou yet. If Rosenstrike were to somehow beat Francis Ngannou, then I think Curtis Blades jumps Francis Ngannou, and then it's probably some order of Rosenstrike and Ngannou behind Curtis Blades, and then if DC just decides he's retiring, then Blades is next in line for Stipe. It's really like the top, uh, the top four or five fighters in the heavyweight are very interesting. Uh, there's a lot of different ways they could go. We'll see how that goes. The biggest fight of the night, though, was at Bellator 238. It was Julia Budd trying to defend her featherweight women's Bellator belt against newcomer, one of the greatest of all time, and Chris Cyborg. Uh, I thought Cyborg would win this fight. I was rooting for Julia Budd. I like her a lot. Uh, she's a great, great champion. Uh, she didn't, she didn't do nearly enough in this fight. Chris Cyborg dominated her. Ends up getting the TKO victory in round number four. Uh, it was really a matchup of Julia Budd, who's more of a wrestler and Chris Cyborg, who was obviously more of a striker, and Cyborg was just too much for her. Sergio Pettis uh, makes his Bellator debut, gets a beautiful knockout, beautiful knockout. What a statement to make. After a lot of guys this these past couple of years uh, m leaving the UFC, going to new promotions, and then losing their, their incoming fight, Sergio Pettis was like, no way. He, he came in... He came out swinging, beautiful knockout. Of course, he's Anthony Showtime Pettis' younger brother. Juan Archuleta beat Henry Corrales in a decision. 
Adam Borix. Um, he was undefeated coming into this and uh, lost to Darian Caldwell. Uh, that that was part of the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. Uh, Borix getting his first loss, and Caldwell looked great in that fight. Caldwell now comes up in the semifinals of the Grand Prix in a few months, fighting the undefeated A.J. McKee, who, for my money, is probably the best prospect in mixed martial arts. That is going to be an amazing, amazing fight to watch. All right, those were the fights Last weekend, let's move on to UFC 247, February 8th in Houston, Texas. We get two title fights on this card. Cannot wait. John Jones versus Dominic Reyes, two guys that are undefeated. Uh, Dominic Reyes is 12-0. John Jones has the one loss on his record, but... It was due to an illegal knee that he threw or an illegal elbow. So John Jones has, for all intents and purposes, never lost a fight. Dominic Reyes is a very interesting prospect. Um, he, uh, coming off a knockout over Chris Weidman, when Chris Weidman moved up to light heavyweight. I think John wins this fight. I, I I'm not going to sit here and and predict that John Jones is going to lose a fight. I'm just not going to do it. However, John Jones, over the summer when he fought Tiago Santos, the sledgehammer, he looked beatable. He looked human. One of the judges actually had John Jones losing that fight. That's the first time that's ever happened. Up until that point, no judge ever had John Jones losing a fight. Tiago Santos is a power striker. Dominic Reyes is a power striker. They both have a ton of power in that left hand. The way I'm seeing this match, I think Dominic Reyes is a younger, stronger version of Tiago Santos. And lest we forget, Tiago Santos tore every ligament in his knee in the second round of that fight, ended up going all five rounds, and one of the judges said he won the fight. So I'm not ruling out by any stretch of the imagination that John Jones is just going to beat Dominic Reyes. I think Dominic Reyes has a good shot in this fight. He's a legit number one contender. John is arguably or unarguably the greatest mixed martial artist we've ever seen. But I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just saying John looked very beatable in his last fight. And this is Dominic Reyes is basically Tiago Santos 2.0. Uh, so, extremely excited for that fight. For the record, I think John Jones wins the fight. But, if Dominic Reyes wins the fight, I would not be surprised. Second title fight of the night. Co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko, the women's flyweight champion, the assassin, fights the awkward Caitlin blonde fighter Chukagian. I love this fight. I think this fight might end up being more interesting than the Jones-Reyes fight. And here's why. Shevchenko is no doubt one of the baddest women on the on the planet. Her nickname is Bullet. Uh, she does she, she she has two hobbies. Kicking people's butts and firing guns. So she's 
a legit, lethal woman. Chukagin is a very good fighter. Mentioned earlier how rangy she is, how awkward she is. I think Shevchenko wins this fight as well, for the record. However, if Chukagin somehow wins, would not be surprised. I think she's going to give Shevchenko problems. These two fights are very interesting in and of themselves, but in particular, being uh, on the same card, headlining the same card, I think it's very interesting that the, these are the two probably weakest divisions in the UFC. And the challengers in these two fights, if they can't win, if they can't beat the champion, I don't see anyone in their weight classes that does it anytime soon. That's why... Uh, I think those fights are very interesting, not, not just because I think that the challengers have a good chance at winning, but because if they don't win, I think John Jones and Shevchenko are probably champions in their respective divisions in 2020 and 2021 and possibly beyond because I just do not see anyone uh, uh, coming up the ranks and beating them if these two can't do it. If John Jones wins this fight, all the talk is going to be about him potentially moving up to heavyweight. And I think that's probably the move. The other option would be a Corey Anderson fight. If Corey Anderson could beat Jan Blahowitz, uh, headlining a fight night coming up soon, which I think Corey Anderson will. John and Corey Anderson have, have beef, have a legit beef. I, I would love to see that fight. I think John would win that one handily. But I just talked about the, the heavyweight uh, dilemma going on at the top of that division. I didn't even mention John Jones potentially moving up. I mean, what happens then? Does John Jones fight Stipe Miocic to try and become a champ champ? Does John Jones fight Daniel Cormier for the third time? They hate each other. Does John Jones fight Francis Agano? I mean, who who doesn't want to see that fight? John Bones Jones against Francis the Predator Ngano, who looks unstoppable. So if if John Jones beats Dominic Reyes. That's the discussion we're going to be having. The rest of the main card at 247, Juan Adams fights Justin Taffa. Juan Adams coming off that loss to Greg Hardy. Uh, that is obviously in heavyweight division. Featherweight division, Mirsad Bektik, number 14, fights Dan Ige. And I think probably the third most interesting fight on the card is also a heavyweight. Very interesting. Derek Lewis, Derek the Black Beast. Lewis, Derek, my balls was hot. Lewis, twenty-two and seven, coming off his big win over Blagoy Ivanov at UFC two forty-four, he gets the fourteen and seven, Ilir Latifi, who is making his move up to heavyweight from light heavyweight. Uh, Ilir Latifi, the guy's dangerous. The guy's got power. Moving up a weight class. Uh, his last win was over Ovin Saint uh, Prue, almost two years ago. He's had losses to Corey Anderson and Vulcan Uzdemir in his last two fights. Obviously, can't blame him a whole lot because those two guys are legit contenders at uh, 205. The prelims, not super interesting to me right now. I'll just read them off. Uh, bantamweight. Uh, Jimmy Rivera was supposed to fight Marlon Chito Vera. Uh, Rivera had to drop out. Uh, Rivera had to drop out, not Vera. I... Uh, I'm sure that a uh, replacement has been made, but I'm not sure who that is at this point. Middleweight fight, Trevin Giles, who I believe is a firefighter or has some like legit full-time job uh, outside of the UFC. 
He fights Antonio Arroyo. Alex Morono fights Diego Lima at welterweight. And another interesting flyweight fight, I mentioned it earlier, number seven, Lauren Murphy. She's coming off a win over Maria Mara Romero Barella after her 2018 loss to Shajara Eubanks. She fights Andrea KGB Lee, so that's a number seven, number eight matchup in the women's flyweight division. Andrea Lee is teammates with Aspen Ladd. She's coming off a loss to Joanne Calderwood. Early prelims, I'll just read them off. Uh, Miles John, bantamweight against Mario Bautista. Domingo Pilarte, bantamweight against Journey Newsom, And Andre Ewell, bantamweight against Jonathan Martinez. So early prelims start at 6.15 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, February 8th with three bantamweight bouts. All right, moving forward from there. Let me check the time here. I don't want to cut myself off again. We've got 15 minutes left. So we're going to fly through these. Fight nights and pay-per-views coming up rest of the spring. I already talked about uh, number five, Corey Anderson, going up against number six, John Blahowitz, in a light heavyweight bout fight night headliner on Saturday, Saturday February 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I think the winner of that probably gets John next, especially if it's Corey Anderson and John stays at light heavyweight, assuming he beats Dominic Reyes. Next fight night. So let me also say, when this comes out, uh, the weekend of uh, January 31st or February 1st, I, I don't know what today's date is. Um, this is the last weekend without a UFC event on, over the weekend until April. So get ready. We are about to go balls to the wall, all out with UFC every weekend from next weekend in Houston all the way through Khabib Tony. So this one is uh, the next fight night after that is in Auckland, New Zealand. Number six, Paul Felder, the Irish Dragon, coming off wins over Edson Barbosa and James Vick, gets number seven, the Red Hot Dan the Hangman Hooker who's coming off a win over Ally Aquinta and also beat James Vick last year. So uh, these two guys are red hot. Um, that's not a joke about Paul Felder because he is very, very redheaded. But these two guys both had huge 2019s. Uh, Paul Felder fighting out of Rufus Sport in Milwaukee and Dan Hooker, who is teammates with Israel Adesanya and Alexander Volkanovsky at City, City Kickboxing in uh, New Zealand under Coach of the Year Eugene Berriman. The winner of this fight, I'm speculating, maybe gets Gaethje or Poirier next. Uh, that's going to be a huge fight. I would say Gaethje and Poirier fight next, but they've already fought Gaethje winning that one. All right, moving right along. I just spilled, uh, just spilled water on my phone. Next fight night. UFC fight night. Norfolk, Virginia, for the vacant UFC flyweight title number one contender, Joseph Benavidez, who has a win over Henry Cejudo, fights the number three contender, who is also red hot, Davidson Figueroa. Uh, really looking forward to that one. Also on that card, interestingly enough, Two of the best women's featherweight contenders in the UFC. Of course, that division really doesn't exist all that much. There's no rankings. Technically, Amanda Nunes is the champion of that one. 
wants to defend it. She wants to fight at featherweight next. They just don't have a whole lot of uh, women in that division on in, in the UFC. That's really more of a Bellator division. Uh, anyway, Felicia Spencer fights Zara Fairn. Uh, Felicia Spencer coming off that loss to Chris Cyborg in Vancouver last year. And one of the other big-time featherweight in the women's division is Megan Anderson coming off her big win in Australia, her home country. Um, that was on the Adesanya Whitaker card. She is also fighting in Norfolk. All right, got to move. Speaking of Adesanya, UFC 248. Adesanya versus Romero. Israel makes his second title defense. Uh, well, technically first title defense, but he beat Kelvin Gastelum in ATL uh, last April in the fight of the year uh, to win the interim belt. He says that that was when he won the belt, and he says that he defended it for the first time against Robert Whitaker. Technically, this is his first title defense. He was lined up to fight Paulo Costa, got on top of the cage, and, f- and flicked uh, Paulo Costa a couple of birds after that win over Whitaker. Uh, no one wants to fight Yoel Romero. Even though he's coming off of back-to-back losses to Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa, Costa got injured. Yoel Romero's the next man up. He's almost 43 years old when this fight happens. I do not know how this man makes 185 pounds. He is yoked. Absolutely yoked. Uh, wait till you see this guy. It's incredible. I think Israel Asani wins that fight, uh, but but that is certainly one to uh, to tune in for. Another pay per view with two title fights on it. Zhang Wei Li defends her title for the first time against the strawweight queen Yuanian Jacek. Really looking forward to that one. They've had a little bit of back and forth on social media this past week. Uh, apparently, Joanna got a hold of a meme that somebody had made and was going around social media of Joanna fighting Zhang Weili wearing a gas mask because of the coronavirus that's going around China. Zhang did not mince words uh, when responding to that, basically told Joanna, you're going to pay for that. You shouldn't be making fun of, of this serious crisis and situation. Joanna, not kind of apologizing but not really apologizing it was one of those like i'm sorry that you were offended i didn't mean to hurt your feelings type apologies but um i think i believe you wanna and that it was unintentional but at the same time looking at the meme you, you should look it up it's, it's pretty blatant um blatantly obvious that you probably shouldn't post that on your social media when you're uh when you're who you are and have that kind of uh of uh social media presence but nonetheless can't wait for that fight <laughs> i mean this card was going to be amazing it, it, it is going to be amazing but it was going to be even better robert whitaker against uh contender jared cannoneer whitaker had to withdraw a couple weeks ago for personal reasons we still don't know what that is hopefully jared cannoneer can get a uh an opponent booked really want to see him fight was really looking forward to that fight as well Another doozy in the middleweight division. We've got three middleweight fights on this uh, main card, including the title fight. Number eight, Derek Brunson, 20-7, and seven, the UFC veteran. This will be his 21st fight in the UFC. He's coming off a win at UFC 241 over Ian Heinish. That was a really good win. Fighting the golden boy, the future, Edmund Shabazian. This guy is as legit as legit gets. He's number nine. 
in the UFC middleweight rankings, 11-0 undefeated. Cannot wait for this fight. I don't think Derek Brunson is a gatekeeper, uh, but if Edmund Shabazian can get past Derek Brunson, he will skyrocket into probably the top five of the UFC middleweight division and could be in line for a well-deserved title fight uh, in the next year or so. By the way, Shabazian uh, is coached by Ronda Rousey's former coach, and Ronda Rousey is his manager, so that's pretty cool. And the first fight on the main card at 248, number 15, Neil Magny in a welterweight bout against the Leech. Lee Jing Lian coming off a huge win. Um, looked great in his last fight. That was on the UFC China card. All right, next UFC fight night is Kevin, the Motown phenom Lee, coming off a beautiful win over Gregor Gillespie at 244. That was Gillespie's first loss of his career, and he knocked him out so hard that Gillespie fell sideways against the fence and stayed like that, like he got rigor mortis. And then Kevin Lee basically just like dropped the mic and walked off. It was a beautiful win. He fights, uh, this is a lightweight bout, he fights Charles Dubronx Oliveira, who has the record for the most submission victories in UFC history. So that card is in Brazil, uh, which is uh, Oliveira's uh, 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 home country, um, on March 14th at 8 p.m. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. The Brazilian Damian Maia coming off that big win over the bum Ben Askren. Welterweight fight against number 13 Gilbert Burns. Talked about him earlier, cornering his brother Herbert Burns in the first fight of that UFC rally card. Mahmoud Muradov, middleweight bout over Antonio Carlos Jr. That's number 11 versus number 14. Looking forward to that. Paige Van Zandt was supposed to fight on this card. She broke her forearm for the third time. Really unfortunate. She's only 25. This was supposed to be the last fight on her UFC contract before she'd probably go to Bellator. She's replaced by Randa Marcos, who fights number 15, Amanda Rebus. That'd be a good one. Johnny Walker, number 11, up-and-comer, coming off that loss to Corey Anderson at uh, UFC 244 at MSG. He's number 11. He gets number 14, Nikita Krilov, in a light heavyweight bout. Really looking forward to that. This is a stacked card. This is not even a sneaky good card. It's just a, it's just a great card. Uh, no huge names on this on this uh, card. No, like, you know, number one contenders or champions or whatnot. But uh, just from, from top to bottom, very good card. Also on that card, number two flyweight contender, Juicier Formiga gets about with number five, Brandon Moreno, both of them coming off of nice wins as well. Really looking forward to that one, March 14th. Just recently announced. Very excited for this. I'm very excited for all the cards, but this one is going to be especially good. I got five minutes left. Let's go. Tyron Woodley. Last last fight, lost his welterweight belt to current champion, Kamara Usman. Got injured in that fight. I think he broke his hand. He's coming back. He's ready to go against Leon Rocky Edwards, number four. This feels to me like a number one contender fight. I think Usman fights Masvidal next for the welterweight belt. I think the winner of this fight gets Usman after that. Um, next fight on that card, Darren Stewart fights Marvin Vittori. We've got Jack Shore, who's looking really good at bantamweight, fighting Geraldo De Freitas. 
Paul Craig, the Irishman, who I could listen, I could listen to him talk for days. Look up Paul Craig just talking about anything. It's beautiful. Fights Ryan Spann in the light heavyweight bout. That one is going to be a barn burner. Uh, also on that card, Molly Meatball McCann in her home country, her home city. This one's in London, which is also where Leon Edwards fights out of at O2 Arena. Really looking forward to that one. That one is 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, March 21st, ESPN+. Plus. UFC Fight Night, Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Already talked a lot about that one. This one is at UFC Columbus, Ohio, March 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern. Rafael Asuncial fighting out of Atlanta, Georgia. He fights uh, an old name in Cody Garbrandt. Greg Hardy fights Jorgen DeCastro on this card. Greg Hardy coming off the first loss of his career to uh, Alexander Volkov in Moscow. Jorgen DeCastro, winner on Dana White's Contender Series last summer and has had a couple of really good UFC fights since then. Aspen Ladd versus Juliana Pena is also on this card. Tisha Torres fights. Matt Brown fights. Luis Smolka fights. Khalil Roundtree Jr. fights. Punahele Soriano versus Eric Spicely and Jeff Hughes also on that card. And finally, UFC 249. Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson. Khabib Nurmagomedov, 28-0 in his career. Tony Ferguson and Khabib both are on 12-fight winning streaks in the UFC, which is crazy, especially in the lightweight division, which is arguably or not arguably the best division in the UFC. This one is going to be a fight you do not want to miss. And this is not just a top-heavy one. The, the co-main event right now, Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas in a rematch of that uh, title fight last year. That's going to be really, really good. Andrade coming off that loss to Zhang Weili. Rose coming off that loss to Jessica Andrade uh, in the women's strawweight. Uriah Hall fights Ronaldo Jacare Souza at middleweight. And Ben Rothwell returns as well. That card is in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. And uh, that one starts at 10 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, April 18th. I'm done. I beat the hour time. I thought it was going to be a, a little bit shorter than that. But listen, you get what you get. You don't pitch a fit. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've listened this far, if you've listened to me talk for two hours about mixed martial arts and UFC, hat, my hat's off to you. My proverbial hat is off to you. I may do another show after uh, 247. I may hold off on it. Um, I just went over basically everything that's happening for the next, like, three months. So, should hold you over. But again, uh, when I feel like coming back, I'll come back. I'm, I'm not making any money here. I'm basically just talking just to talk. I may be the only one that's listening. Who knows? Uh, appreciate you downloading this maybe leaving a review maybe leaving a rating maybe telling somebody else about it maybe complimenting me on it maybe giving me a follow on twitter at w langston w-l-a-n-x-t-o-n uh that's where i do most of my ufc um gallivanting and and whatnot uh i'm done thank you so much for listening i'll talk to you next time